1: Verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out, blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Again, white garments, it just speaks of uh, the righteousness of God that he places on us and, and the works that he does through us that we're even allowed to do, the righteousness of the saints. It's an amazing thing.
0: Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob Kellogg continues our journey through the book of Revelation today as we find out how Jesus covers the overcomers in the church at Sardis. Jesus identified the overcomers with those few names who had not defiled their garments in Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. These overcomers would wear white garments received from Jesus, The difference between the dead majority with imperfect works and the few names who pleased God was purity and the closeness with Jesus that is always related to purity. Let's join Pastor Rob for today's study.
1: What did we receive? We received the gospel. We received the gospel. This church, certainly at Sardis, was evidently not allowing the Spirit of God to have His way in them. And did you know that we have the ability, the scary ability, to quench, to grieve, and resist the Spirit of God? And that's what happens in a dead church. A dead church doesn't just get dead automatically. It's a process. It's a process. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit of God. And and literally what that means is to extinguish it, to throw water on the fire. And we throw water on the fire by watching movies and, and junk on television that aren't really edifying, things that are actually warring against us rather than building us up and encouraging us. And, and and in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, what does it say? Paul said to the Ephesians, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can grieve the Spirit of God. He's not some impersonal force out there in the universe. No, he's a person. We sang it this morning, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, we do not want to grieve the Spirit of God. And yet this church in Sardis, they not only quenched him, they grieved him, but now they also resisted him. In Acts chapter 7, remember when Stephen stood before, his, before the religious leaders, right before he was stoned, he really got on their case. And he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so did you. And what was the result of that? They killed him. They stoned him to death outside the city because they were so angry with him because he told them the truth. And the truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? But we need to hear the truth. And again, in verse 3, what does he say again? One of the other keys to revival is holding fast. Holding fast. And what that means is to literally watch or guard. And then finally, to repent to repent and that really just means to turn around. It's a word that nobody likes today. I mean, you mentioned the word repent out in public and, and they know exactly who you are. Oh, you're one of those Bible-thumping, you know, conservative Christians. And, you know, we got to do everything that we do in love, right? I mean, who's going to respond to somebody who's, who seems angry? You know, we don't need to be angry. We got great news to share. Yes, there's a bite to it because we have to if we need a savior, that means that we're that we're that we need to be saved. And what do we need to be saved from? Well, all the sin. Our our whole life is filled with sin. We need to be saved, right? And so, but we can do that with joy and with decency and with respect to other people. We don't need to be nasty with them. I mean, who's going to want to receive from you if you're uh, being really nasty to them. Jesus was never nasty to the average person who didn't know him. He was hard on the religious leaders, but the average person he was not. So he says, hold fast, watch or guard, and then repent, to turn around, to think differently, to have a change of heart. That's really what repentance is. I'm going in one direction, and I see the fruit of it, and I make a about face, and I turn the opposite direction, and I go the opposite direction. There is a problem you know when we love our sin and we will do anything to protect it and to keep it we have to turn from that thing he says therefore verse 3 if you will not watch notice if you will not watch therefore if you will not watch i will come upon you as a thief and you will not know that when uh, what hour i will come unto you this language sounds very similar to other areas in the scripture where jesus is speaking concerning the second coming but this is not what this is referring to at all Uh, it's really speaking of uh, God removing his influence and his sweet fragrance really in their fellowship removing their influence of this church you remember in revelation chapter 2 verse 5 when Jesus is speaking to the Ephesians what he said to them he said repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent and and really that's just, when he removes the lampstand, remo- he, he removes the light. But if we continue in rebellion, uh, God will just remove the light. Your influence on the, your culture, on your family, on, in your own life, your influence, you may be saved, but there's going to be no influence at all. And there's so many people like that, so many Christians like that. They, they, they have salvation, you know, but, but they've they, they, they just kind of like, have done nothing and 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 they have no there's no zeal there's no there's no reading there's no studying the word of god there's no prayer there's nothing they're just kind of living their lives now and there's no witness and and what how does that really help the individual when a person who lives like that I, again a person who lives like that is a miserable christian because they're failing to see the joy and the and the hope and and the wonderful grace and, and all of that and and it does it has such a wonderful effect on the person and that's contagious that, that really is. People look at you uh, when you're going through the most difficult of things and they say, how can you smile? How can you just let this thing roll off? You know, people who had that happen to them are taking drugs and finding their problem and trying to drown their sorrows in the bottle of Jim Beam. Why aren't you that way? And you can say, well, you know what? I know the Lord knows what He's doing and He's allowing this for a reason and I'm just going to submit my heart to Him. He knows what He... And people are like, what? <laughs> That's a person who's walking with God. And they're like, I don't know what that person has, but I want that. And it is attractive. A real spirit-filled Christian, their life is attractive. Why? Because they're attractive? No, because the Spirit of God in them is attractive. There's nothing about me, as you can see, that's of any beauty. But when God is working through me, it can be the most beautiful thing to others around me. And see, that's the way I want to live. Is that the way you want to live? I would assume that the answer is yes, that you want that as well. He says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. In other words, not everybody in this church was dead or on their way to dying. There were some who were doing really well. They were, um, and notice he says, and they have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, Jesus says, for they are worthy. In the ancient culture, whenever it speaks of uh, white robes, a lot of times in, in weddings back at this time, they would, uh, all the guests of the wedding party would wear a uh, white linen and this uh, in the bible we know this speaks of the righteousness of god and and jesus clothes us with clothes us with his robe of righteousness because it's something that he purchased for us that's the way god sees you isn't that wonderful god no longer looks at me even even still with all my flaws and my my sin he doesn't look upon me as God sees you and me positionally in Christ, in heavenly places, seated with Christ in heavenly places. He sees you that way. And yet, day to day, what what bothers us so much is we don't always feel like that. And it's okay. I mean, we, we understand we don't always feel like that, but we have to understand how God sees us and to just keep our hearts focused on Him because He knows. And then we continue to turn from those things that we know are not right and, and call upon Him, say, Lord, help me, you know. Uh, none of us are perfect, but we need to rest upon a holy God who is perfect, and He will change our hearts moment by moment, day by day, year by year. He's doing it in my life. Is He doing it in yours? I know He is. Will you let Him have complete control over your life? Don't set a governor and say, I'm going to only go this far. You know, and God will allow you to do that. You're going to be miserable uh, if you say, God, I'm only going to go this far, and that's it. You can only have this part of me, only this much of me, but the rest of it's mine to do with what I want and if you're really a christian and and thinking that way, you're missing out on the greatest blessing of your entire life you're missing out on why he created you to begin with, and trust me, when you are in the center of his will, when you are doing his will, and when you love him and he's able to use you, you are going to be the most blessed person you're going to be <laughs> you're going to be so excited about things and um your life is going to be fulfilling because it has a purpose so many people walking around with no purpose in life well i'm just going to make my money and i'm going to end up in a home and then i'm finally going to die you know is that really that really what life is all about you know trying to amass money so that i can live comfortably now and then and then you know there's so much more to life than money and the things that it can provide there is a wholeness there is a peace that you can have with god do you have that peace if you don't ask God to give you that peace today because He loves you. He doesn't want your life to be miserable. In fact, didn't we read in Deuteronomy 30 that He wants you to choose life? If, 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 you, if He gives you the, the ability to choose life, isn't He offering it to you in its fullness, in, in the fullness of life, in everything about life? It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out out His name from the book of life, but I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Again, white garments, it just speaks of uh, the righteousness of God that He places on us and, and the works that He does through us that we're even allowed to do, the righteousness of the saints. It's an amazing thing. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, right before Jesus comes to the earth physically in his second coming, physically to this earth, which is yet future, of course. He says says in verse 7 of Revelation 19, "...let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready." The wife is the church of, of Jesus Christ, us, those who are believers in him. "...and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the bright linen is the righteous acts of the saints." And, and this wedding supper of the Lamb is going to take place right after Jesus comes back and His second glorious coming. There's going to be a wedding supper uh, uh, that we are going to have as believers with Him in Jerusalem on this earth for a thousand years. I mean, that, that's how long the, the, the span is. But we're, at the beginning of that, there is going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb and each one of us is going to have that white linen uh, clothed and, and we will rejoice with Him. But notice what it says in here, and this is kind of problematic for some people. It says, and I will not blot out his name. Who He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has written you in his book of life. In fact, I believe from the scripture that before we were even born, God had written your name in a book. And it's not until you take your last breath, your very last breath physically on this earth, it will determine, based on your faith in Christ or not, whether that name stays there or whether it's blotted out. And that—that's really the language behind here. It—it's it, it, not creating doubt about about the the person because if you're if you're in Christ and you're a Christian, you have overcome, and so we have that assurance. The Book of Life, uh, like I said, I believe everyone is written in there, and then at their last breath, they are either blotted out. Or their name remains in there. In Psalm five, and we'll end here in just a few seconds. In Psalm nine, it says, "You have rebuked the nations, and you have destroyed the wicked." The psalmist says, speaking of God, "You have blotted out their name forever and ever." In other words, you've removed them, their name from the, your book of life. Because wouldn't it stand to reason that God's book of life would have the name of everyone who has ever lived or ever will live? And then it's it's and then it's their decision whether they are going to receive Christ or not. And that that allows them to either be in the book or at the very end for their name to be blotted out of that book. And see, that that's God's perspective. Isn't that wonderful? He He, he puts you in there to begin with. He knows whether you're going to choose Him because He knows everything. But every single person has the opportunity. And you know, so there's no... You can't go down that line, and and, and so many church divisions have happened over whether God is completely sovereign or whether man has free will. It's both, folks. The Bible teaches both. God knows, because He's outside of time, who's going to choose Him and who's going to walk with Him, and He knows those who aren't. But He puts every name in the book, and He gives everyone an opportunity. And then the implication is, I have to receive Him. I have to come to terms with what He's done for me. And if I ignore Him and say, I don't want anything to do with you, then God will give us that choice, and ultimately our name will be blotted out. In Exodus chapter 7, it says, Then the Lord, this is verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Notice, Amalek, this was a king, and certainly a race of people, but he says, This specific man, I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He had he had died, and still in unbelief, and in and in his own sin, and doomed forever, and that's that's his decision that he made. Remember in in Exodus chapter 32, after the incident with the golden calf and Moses pleading for the people, after you know he came down from the mountain with the ten uh, commandments in his hand on two stone tablets, and they were they were worshiping a molten calf. Uh, Egypt was still a, a part of them. so soon after coming out of Egypt. And notice what Moses says. And it says, It came to pass on the next day, this is Exodus 32 beginning in verse 30. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, and notice the heart of Moses, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin great but if not i pray you blot me out of your book which you have written and and this is just the the heart of, of a man and and god is was working in Moses' heart so much so that it, he was like you know blot blot you know don't blot them forgive their sin but if you're not going to forgive their sin then take me then let me be associated with them and blot us all out of your book right and so but we know that that's ultimately what's not going to happen finally Let's look at one verse, and then we'll finish up here quickly. In Revelation chapter 20, this is really what we call the Great White Throne Judgment, and this we've spent time in this as we've gone through Revelation because it's important anyone at this great white throne judgment will be those who have rejected christ and ultimately there, as they stand before christ it's not going to be a sentence where they are going to go to heaven no everyone who is at this great white throne judgment will be doomed but notice what it says in verse 11 then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw the dead small and great "'Standing before God, notice, and books were opened, "'and another book was opened, which is the book of life, "'and the dead were judged according to their works "'by the things which were written in the books.'" And then it says, "'The sea gave up the dead who were in it, "'and death and Hades and hell "'delivered up the dead who were in them, "'and they were judged, each one according to his works.'" Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. this is the eternal resting place for the wicked uh, Satan, the false prophet the, uh, all of them will be cast into the lake of fire and this is the second death and anyone not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That is a very severe statement scripture and and that is what brought one of the one of the things that brought me into the kingdom of God is reading about this. Because I'm like, you know what, Lord, I don't want to be in that place, and I, I want to give my heart completely to you. And notice what it says at the very end of this verse it says, But I will confess he says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I love what it says in Matthew ten, verse thirty two. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And so it is important that we confess Christ everywhere we go, whenever we can, whenever it's appropriate. Most of the time it is. And so we need to be led by the Spirit even as we do that, to not just force things on people, but to... Uh, be creative and and get people to talk and and minister to them the Word of God because they need it more than ever. The church has right now has the great responsibility in the time that we live right now to shine more than ever before to show the world that we're not hiding away in a mountain somewhere, trying to you know get all of our ducks in a row and um hide you know all of our money and and do all this stuff. No, it should be just the opposite. We need to be out there telling people, calling them. And encouraging them, saying, you know what, the time is short. And that may rub against some of you as you hear that, but that's the truth. That's the truth. We need to be about our Father's business. And Jesus loves every single person. Don't ever mistake that. He who has an ear, verse 6, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice this this letter was meant to go to all the churches. So he who has an ear, we have to be listening. Let him hear. What the Spirit says. So as we read this, you know, it was a very tough letter. I'll admit, I, I, I actually went through some real tough heart searching myself in preparation for this morning. You know, I looked at my own life, and I'm continuing to look at it, and it broke my heart on where sometimes I find myself in my own uh, in my own thoughts and my own heart not being where it should be. And, and I would encourage you to, to allow yourself to be challenged, too. Sometimes my heart can be cold. Sometimes my attitude can be wrong. Sometimes my vision can be skewed. And, and so, you know, honestly, I, I get on my knees and I say, Lord, make me not like this. Change my life. Change the church. Change our fellowship. Whatever it is that you want to change. Again, not all of us fit into this mold. Maybe you're doing really well, and praise the Lord for that, you know, but we, we, we have to really examine ourselves and not, and not allow ourselves to get into that place where we're dying on the vine. We have to be vibrant and really seek in the Lord and doing everything we can to get our eyes on Him and read the Word of God. Let it challenge you. Oh, be obedient to it. That's where one of our problems is. We read, about, we read the Bible, but it's for somebody else. We have to read the Bible for ourselves and let it take control. Let the Word of God have its effect on us first before anybody else. Before anybody else. So let's pray. Father, we ask, uh, Lord, for your blessing today upon our lives. We ask that you would touch every single person who is tuning in right now, who's listening. Lord, families that are sitting around the monitor right now. Lord, young ones and those in the middle, Lord, those who are elderly, those who are in between, Father, for each. uh, We just ask that you touch and heal, Lord, that you'd set us on fire again, Lord, that you would reveal to us, Lord, where we need to, uh, the things that we need to turn from, Lord, the things that we need to forsake, the things that we need to cut off from our life that's just causing problems. Lord, your mercy touch us today and pour out your Spirit upon us here at Calvary Chapel of Rochester, Lord. Do a new work. We plead with you, we beg you, Lord, to do a new work in each of us. And start with me, God. I don't care what you want to do. You do it. I just want to be open to what you want to do. Set me on fire if you have to. Lord, set all of us. Give us that, that desire, that, Lord, that uh, burning love for you and the, a burning love for people. And may it manifest itself in the most wonderful ways, the most loving, compassionate, gracious ways, because you were the example for us, Lord. You were the most spiritual man on the planet, and you were the most loving and the most approachable person. And so, Lord, we want to be like you. And so, Lord, have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray.